Welcome to the Joy Factory monthly and inappropriately named podcast for the Joy Factory project by yours truly, Sean Duke. On today's show, social media is giving me a mad case of the sads, so what am I going to do about it? Well, you just have to listen to find out. Thanks for joining me on this adventure of virtual nerdery. I'm your host, Sean Duke, proprietor of the Skiffy and Fanty Show, professor of nerdly things, sometime writer, and TTRPG dork. If you're here, means you fell down a magic well into some kind of alternate reality. Welcome. We have carrots. So, on today's topic, social media and the wicked case of the sads, as I am calling it now, uh, it's something I've been meaning to talk about for basically since the year started, uh, this has been a problem that's been going on over, you know, quite a long time is this sort of feeling that social media is like sucking my soul out piece by piece by piece, which I'm laughing about now, but is actually kind of true. It is really just sucking my joy. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what's going on, but also what I'm going to do about it. And This is probably not going to be the most joyful episode as per usual, but that's kind of okay because I think sometimes we need to talk about, you know, vaguely serious things. Uh, So, you know, when I started this project, the whole kind of idea of this was I wanted to promote joy partly because social media is a bit of a nightmare. And one of the things that I wanted to do was to try to, you know, put more energy and effort into Supporting the stuff that I find interesting, you know, drawing more attention to interesting stuff. That's what the Joy Factory newsletter is for. Uh, You know, signal boosting things that are really interesting or, in my case, doing a lot more of trying to support by POC voices, which I think social media has made a little bit difficult. We'll talk a little bit about that. But the problem with social media that I found is there is just this sense, especially on Twitter, that there is an, an endless cycle of of misery uh and and twitter's the worst case of this but facebook is not much better you know the the biggest problem that facebook has is really that the company is a horror show but you know my feed on on twitter's or on facebook is not so bad but you get data breaches cambridge analytica happened um you've got disinformation and hate groups sort of existing you kind of have to be careful about your pages because you can deal with harassment and all those kinds of things so Facebook's not a perfect system, but Twitter, where I spend most of my time, at least social media-wise, you know, gets me that endless cycle. It's it's just always, everything is so tuned up to 11 on Twitter. And, you know, a number of people have, have mentioned this in the past, that there is this sense that Twitter is always tuned up, that is always waiting for the next thing. And I know, I think Chuck Wendig was talking about this idea that there's like the Twitter person of the day, which is, you know, whoever happens to be the person that's like gathered the ire of of a number of mostly trollish individuals, but also people who are reacting quite excessively to fairly minor problems, you know, and there's obviously stuff on Twitter that is good, which is, you know, challenging to power structures and other kinds of things. But one of the biggest problems with Twitter is that it, it doesn't seem to have like a measured way of dealing with that stuff. That is to say that it it seems that what people will scream about almost anything to the same degree that 
you know, you can post an innocuous hot take that is generally not really offensive, but still people will be tuned up to 11 on that, right? It is as though you also were supporting, uh, you know, a, a cop murdering a black person. And to me, that sense of disproportionate scale makes Twitter very difficult to sort of penetrate. And this is one of the problems I'm finding is that my feed is kind of impenetrable, that it is constant negativity. You know, even though I follow a lot of very lovely people, but just because of the way that Twitter works, there's there's constantly everything is happening and it seems so bad all the time. And I have to actually dig for the joyful stuff. Or the bigger problem I've been running into is, given I'm trying to support more by POC voices, Sometimes having to dig through the feeds to find the voices to support, you know, even when I'm trying to like boost people's books or projects or interesting things, Twitter is an impenetrable mass. It is, I have to like curate specialized lists just to make the feed workable or basically call my followers list down to almost nobody. And I've unfollowed some people recently because almost everything they posted was just everything's bad, everything's dark, it's like living in a DC film, it's just, it's all, it's grimdark, it's just, it's like Batman running around going, do you bleed, and that's what it feels like constantly, and I had to just unfollow some folks, because I was like, I, I like your work, but I, I can't, I cannot do this anymore, where all I am reading from you is everything's terrible and bad, to me, part of the problem that Twitter's run into, in, in particular, is it makes the, the world feel like it is worse than it is. And don't get me wrong, the world's in bad shape right now, right? In certain parts of the world, in worse shape than others. But there is also good stuff happening. And the way that Twitter operates sometimes gives this impression that there there isn't a lot of good happening, that actually it's mostly bad and that the good things are very small. And what I find, for me, makes that really difficult is it's it's actually really hard for me to sit down and see the constructive stuff going on, that people are trying to do positive things, that people are trying to fix problems, that people are doing the right thing. You know, what it's done is it's amplified an already existing problem that I've been feeling, which is this sort of lack of trust of so many people. Right? I was talking to a friend of mine, whose name I won't say because I don't have permission to mention his name, but one of the things that he he noted about what the pandemic had done to him was that it had made it so when he goes to the store, he now no longer trusts people and his line of dealing with people not sort of taking things seriously was at a zero. That it used to be that he was kind of that person that would go into the store and he'd see people and he'd smile and he would want to talk to folks. That was, the, in my opinion, a bit naive sometimes, but kind of a nice trait to be naive about. And now he's the opposite, right? He sees people and he's just waiting. When When is the moment? that they're going to do the thing that puts me in danger or do the thing that is going to hurt me. Uh, that's kind of how he has felt after really since 2016, but especially this last year. Twitter's like that, except it's everybody constantly on on like up to 11. They're just constantly waiting for the next thing to scream about rather than all of that joy going into or all that energy going into joy, right? And Let's be real here that the algorithm supports this the way that the Twitter setup supports this. This is sort of Twitter's engagement at all costs kind of philosophy, which they won't necessarily express, but is in fact their their philosophy at this point. Um, there's also just I think it's worth noting here that uh, this is kind of part of the way that the Twitter's engagement has been designed.
that it is supposed to make us want to constantly engage, to constantly react, and negative reactions, those are listed some of the strongest emotions, that joy is a strong emotion, but by comparison to rage, it's it sometimes falls flat. Um, the other thing I noticed, too, was, uh, like, the white people problem on Twitter, which is not to say that all white people are this problem or they realize they're a problem, but after the, the Chauvin trials uh, verdict came out, one of the things that I noticed immediately on Twitter is that I was really hard for me to find the by POC voices to, to support and share and spread. It was threads and threads of, of white folks. Uh, and so my feed became like one black person and then like a bunch of white people having long conversations about this stuff as though this has the same impact on them as it does to people of color who are being disproportionately murdered by police. So, this was sort of me on Twitter just kind of feeling like y'all, you don't have to respond to everything. Everything doesn't, you don't, your voice doesn't need to be there all the time. That actually one of the problems that social media has given us, I think, is this sense that our voices are more important than they really are. In, in the sense of like that we feel that we need to be heard in all things without recognizing that there's a space for that. That is, that we don't need to be heard all the time, that we don't need to share everything, we don't need to share every thought that's in our mind, we can step back, we can let others speak, maybe think, let them speak who have more authority on an issue, and then we boost their voices and use our platform. So this has all been going on. And some of this has come out of watch, watching uh, Lindsay Ellis's recent video, which was a response to a tweet that she'd made, uh, well, I don't know, like a couple weeks ago, I don't remember exactly how long ago now, where she got some some... I think in some cases, a little bit understandable upset. Um, and one of the things that she, she notes in that video and, and whatever else you think about Lindsay Ellis, I think she makes a good point here, which is that what Twitter's feed does is it creates a sort of reactionary, rage-inducing, painful internet culture that is impenetrable, that at scale is – literally, you can't penetrate it. I mean, the, the one thing that Lindsay Ellis talks about is – she kept getting these things of like, listen to buy POC, listen to buy POC. But when she was trying to do that in the responses, what she was finding was something I find sometimes walls and walls of white people screaming at her and less and less being able to penetrate that mass and to get to the people of color who had criticism, which is not to say that she didn't get to some of those things. And certainly she responded to some in ways that I wouldn't suggest. But one of the things she, I think she's trying to highlight here was this. This nature of the scale of Twitter uh, that it makes trying to actually respond when you've maybe slipped up or made a bad joke or done something, in some cases, done something very bad, right? And actually being able to hear and listen that that much talking makes it impossible. Uh, and I want you to think about this, not even if you don't like Lindsay Ellis, and, and I could understand that because Lindsay Ellis has said some things that I think... I, I find pretty offensive um, and some other things that I think in context are a little bit more complex. But one of the things that I think you should think about is if you make a misstep online and it happens to be the viral moment of the day and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people screaming at you, most of whom aren't offering a criticism, they're just insulting you. How, how are you supposed to deal with that mentally? Right. How are you supposed to if you if you wake up the next day and it's that much, much information Right. It, emotionally, it's actually difficult to wade through all of that and find the actual criticisms, right? Not the insults that people calling you bad names, right? Which may be born out of a criticism. No, the actual statements that are helping you to understand where your misstep was. And so I think that scale, 
right? It means that in some cases, it becomes increasingly difficult for people who become the target of this to actually emotionally and mentally deal with the misstep, which is not to say that they shouldn't still learn, uh, but that you're not, I just don't think the learning is occurring on Twitter. I think if it's occurring at all, it's from personal conversations with other people, which raises that thing again of like why – why do we need to have this much negative engagement when actually maybe we should let people – like your rage isn't actually helping in some cases. That maybe it's the people offering the, the actual criticism that's an explanation might actually be helping. Not just for the person who may be misstep, who may or may not respond appropriately to that, but also for people who are coming in and saying, oh, I don't understand what's going on. Ah, Bob has said something, right? Tina has said something, and this is what's going on. But if it's an endless cycle, I, I mean, I've even found moments where, like, I've seen someone's tweet where they've said something that's gotten a lot of people upset, and I don't necessarily get it. And I'm trying to find the reasons in all of those tweets, and all I'm seeing is people, you know, screaming at them. And I can't make sense of that, so then I've had to, at times, ask people on my feed to explain it to me because I can't find the explanation. The other thing, I mean, I think all of this just comes down to, which is the thing on Twitter that you notice, which is that, you know, negativity gets lots of feedback, but less negative stuff like more positive and joyful things doesn't. I've noticed this as a cycle on my thing, and that feeds your sort of dopamine, if we're going to call it that, where you're getting that hit of dopamine. It's like, oh, I'm getting lots of engagement. I should continue to doing that. I've done this a number of times where I was like, oh, if I respond to politicians, I get lots of engagement, so I should keep doing it and realizing that it's actually just like feeding me down a cycle. You know, and there are other platforms that exist that have their own problems, Instagram and Snapchat. They're probably overall better platforms than Twitter, but it's not the way that I want to engage. I'm more interested in engaging in, in words than pictures. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to do video, I'm going to do YouTube instead of doing in Instagram or Snapchat. Um, to me, that that's the engagement. I mean, to me, pictures, sharing pictures for me, it just feels like I'm just, I'm really actually just like kind of clout searching, right? Just trying to get pe lots of people to like my stuff. And that's not necessarily my entire function on social media, although that's certainly a, a function of it. So the point is all of this is a lot of talk about negative stuff and it's complicated and I've certainly not given the nuance that it deserves. And so if you have any thoughts, please let me know. Uh, but I want to turn now to the fact that I've been thinking about this for a while and what I'm going to do about it. You know, a lot of this just comes down to like the way Twitter, my primary platform makes me feel. And the goal of this project, which is to promote joy, geeky joy, but joy. Uh, and it's it's not easy, y'all. It's pretty tough. There have been days when it's been tough. And I want to note that I have been off for about a week of Twitter. I mean, I've been kind of on and off. I've not really been using it for about a week uh, from the time I'm recording this on a Sunday. And coming back has been really difficult because I just I, I don't want to wade through. So... How am I going to turn this into a positive? Well, I'm going to make some changes to try to continue to do what the project is meant for. First, I'm probably going to do a followers uh, follows call, which is you know just a thing where you just cut you just cut and run from the people you go through your followers list. You find the people that really mean mean something to you. You keep them. And you drop the folks that just are really making your feed a nightmare. Uh, I've done this in the past where I've just kind of gone through mostly mostly my my newer follows because all the stuff down at the bottom end are are not new. Um, but yeah, just kind of getting rid of the folks that who just are just promoting negativity constantly. 
um, that's probably what I'm going to do. It's not what I would prefer to do, but that's the only way to make my feed usable. Uh, the second is I'm probably going to pursue other options for social engagement. Um, I might start doing YouTube videos. I've been thinking about doing it before, but I just haven't done it because I, I like the idea of editing videos sounds pretty difficult. Uh, although I've been getting some experience with it, so it's not terribly hard. And I don't think I'm going to get super creative with it because honestly, I just don't have the energy for that. I'd rather share ideas and have conversation. Um, so maybe joining BookTube or something like that, maybe a also starting a Facebook group, thinking of a lot of ways to just kind of have a spaces where there's much more of that sharing of joy, which Twitter's feed doesn't necessarily promote. Third, I'm probably going to step back a lot more, use my Twitter lists to curate a little bit more of my experience. I'm probably going to stop using the phone app uh, because there's just less functions. I have tweaked new Twitter on, on my Chrome browser, and what, the, what that does is it lets me get rid of trending. Um, I move retweets into its own feed so I don't have to see every retweet. Uh, it makes the feed a little bit more manageable, and I'm probably going to continue to use that. But the the phone app is just pointless. There's just no point. Um, that thing is like every every mute word that I have doesn't get muted on there for some reason. So um, so I'm probably going to step back. I'm going to reassess how I want to engage. I'm probably going to be a little bit more deliberative. Um, and that sort of leads me to f the fourth, which is I'm probably going to spend a lot more time making content for this Joy Factory project than I am dealing with conversations on Twitter. That's not to say that I'm not going to have those conversations. Or I'm not going to be active there. I still am. I'm just, I'm just changing. I'm just changing what I'm doing and putting my energy or trying to put my energy into places that are a little bit better. And then the last one, the fifth point, which is I'm going to change how I interact even more. You know, I, I want... I just want more positivity. <laughs> I want to feel like the world isn't entirely on fire literally all the time. And so trying to change how I engage, trying to continue to promote the positivity um, and constructiveness and making sure that when I'm responding to problems, I'm responding to problems that are a little bit more meaningful instead of, you know, every hot take every ridiculous celebrity doing something stupid, like getting rid of all of that stuff and just really saying like, am I going to talk about big issues? It's going to be the stuff that I can actually point you to things that you can do, right? That Like, you know, whether it's supporting a charity or supporting an organization fighting for civil rights or something, you know, where there's just more con constructivity because yeah, that's not even a word, I don't think. But, uh, and the, the reason for that is just very simple, which is that I just feel that, Screaming into the ether of Twitter and social media is is not actually doing anything. I mean, I don't feel like just because I'm calling things out, I'm actually doing a whole lot. But if I'm trying to call things out that need to be called out and pointing to things that other people can do to actually make change, that I feel is a better use. And I want to do that. I want the that I want my my criticisms to come into more constructive avenues. Um, and I really hope that other people start to think about that as well of realizing that you don't have to respond to every celebrity hoping to get your your anger and your reactions. You can step back and you can make that more constructive. So there you have it, folks. That's kind of what I've been thinking a lot. It's a whole new episode complete. Uh, you know, I, I do want to hear from you and your thoughts on this, how you feel about social media and everything. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, you know, how, how did you deal with social media? How do you manage your feeds? You know, how have you been feeling about your social media use, especially on, on Twitter? Um, you know, you can email me directly, seanduke.net slash contact, and you can send me tweets at uh, Sean Duke. That's Sean Duke with a U. So if you'd be so kind, also let folks know about 
you know, where the where this show is, you know, let folks know that this show exists. Uh, make sure to check it out on all your favorite podcasters in case this is your first episode. And if you enjoy the show, give me a five-star review on iTunes, you know, help folks find the show and give us more more joy in the form of ear holes. So, and on that note, I'm off to brunch. Joyful transmission concluded.